Chapter 28 of The Mystery of the Yellow Room This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stuart Bell The Mystery of the Yellow Room by Gaston Leroux Chapter 28 In which it is proved that one does not always think of everything. Great excitement prevailed when Rouletabille had finished. The courtroom became agitated with the murmurings of suppressed applause. Maître André Robert called for an adjournment of the trial and was supported in his motion by the public prosecutor himself. The case was adjourned. The next day, Monsieur Robert Darzac was released on bail while Daddy Jacques received the immediate benefit of a no-cause-for-action. Search was everywhere made for Frédéric Larsin, but in vain. Monsieur Darzac finally escaped the awful calamity which at one time had threatened him. After a visit to Mademoiselle Stangerson, he was led to hope that she might, by careful nursing, one day recover her reason. Rouletabille naturally became the man of the hour. On leaving the Palais de Justice, the crowd bore him aloft in triumph. The press of the whole world published his exploits and his photograph. He, who had interviewed so many illustrious personages, had himself become illustrious and was interviewed in his turn. I am glad to say that the enormous success in no way turned his head. We left Versailles together, after having dined at the Dog That Smokes. In the train, I put a number of questions to him, which during our meal had been on the tip of my tongue, but which I had refrained from uttering, knowing that he did not like to talk shop while eating. "'My friend,' I said, "'that Larsan case is wonderful. It is worthy of you.' He begged me to say no more, and humorously pretended an anxiety for me should I give way to silly praise of him because of a personal admiration for his ability. "'I'll come to the point, then,' I said, not a little nettled. "'I am still in the dark as to your reason for going to America. When you left the Glandier, you had found out, if I rightly understand, all about Frederick Larsan. You had discovered the exact way he had attempted the murder.' "'Quite so. And you?' he said, turning the conversation. Did you suspect nothing? Nothing. It's incredible. I don't see how I could have suspected anything. You took great pains to conceal your thoughts from me. Had you already suspected Larsan when you sent for me to bring the revolvers? Yes, I'd come to that conclusion through the incident of the inexplicable gallery. Larsan's return to Mademoiselle Stangerson's room, however, had not then been cleared up by the eyeglasses. My suspicions were the outcome of my reasoning only, and the idea of Larsan being the murderer seemed so extraordinary that I resolved to wait for actual evidence before venturing to act. Nevertheless, the suspicion worried me, and I sometimes spoke to the detective in a way that ought to have opened your eyes. I spoke disparagingly of his methods but until I found the eyeglasses, I could but look upon my suspicion of him in the light of an absurd hypothesis only. You can imagine my elation after I had explained Larsan's movements. I remember well rushing into my room like a madman and crying to you, 
I'll get the better of the great Fred. I'll get the better of him in a way that will make a sensation. I was then thinking of Larsin the murderer. It was that same evening that Darzac begged me to watch over Mademoiselle Stangerson. I made no efforts until we had dined with Larsin until ten o'clock. He was right there before me, and I could afford to wait. You ought to have suspected, because when we were talking of the murderer's arrival, I said to you, I am quite sure Larsin will be here tonight. But one important point escaped us both. It was one which ought to have opened our eyes to Larsin. Do you remember the bamboo cane? I was surprised to find Larsen had made no use of that evidence against Robert Darzac. Had it not been purchased by a man whose description tallied exactly with that of Darzac? Well, just before I saw him off at the train, after the recess during the trial, I asked him why he hadn't used the cane evidence. He told me that he had never had any intention of doing so, that our discovery of it in the little inn at Epinay had much embarrassed him. If you will remember, he told us then that the cane had been given him in London. Why did we not immediately say to ourselves, Fred is lying. He could not have had this cane in London. He was not in London. He bought it in Paris. Then you found out on inquiry at cassettes that the cane had been bought by a person dressed very like Robert Darzac. Though, as we learned later, from Darzac himself, it was not he who had made the purchase. Couple this with the fact that we already know from the letter at the Poste Restante that there was actually a man in Paris who was passing as Robert Darzac. Why did we not immediately fix on Fred himself? Of course, this position at the Surete was against us. But when we saw the evident eagerness on his part to find convicting evidence against Darzac, and even the passion he displayed in his pursuit of the man, the lie about the cane should have had a new meaning for us. If you ask why Larsin bought the cane, if he had no intention of manufacturing evidence against Darzac by means of it, the answer is quite simple. He had been wounded in the hand by Mademoiselle Stangerson, so that the cane was useful to enable him to close his hand in carrying it. You remember I noticed that he always carried it? All these details came back to my mind when I had once fixed on Larsin as the criminal, but they were too late then to be of any use to me. On the evening when he pretended to be drugged, I looked at his hand and saw a thin silk bandage covering the signs of a slight healing wound. Had we taken a quicker initiative at the time Larsin told us that lie about the cane, I am certain he would have gone off to avoid suspicion. All the same, we worried Larsin or Bormea without our knowing it. But, I interrupted, if Larsin had no intention of using the cane as evidence against Darzac, why had he made himself up to look like the man when he went in to buy it? He had not specially made up as Darzac to buy the cane. He had come straight to Cassettes immediately after he had attacked Mademoiselle Stangerson. His wound was troubling him, and as he was passing along the Avenue de l'Opera, the idea of the cane came to his mind, and he acted on it. It was then eight o'clock, and I, who had hit upon the very hour of the occurrence of the tragedy, almost convinced that Darzac was not the criminal, and knowing of the cane, I still never suspected Larsin. 
There are times, there are times, I said, when the greatest intellects... Rouletabille shut my mouth. I still continued to chide him, but, finding he did not reply, I saw he was no longer paying any attention to what I was saying. I found he was fast asleep. End of chapter 28 Recording by Stuart Bell, Cambridge, UK